Well, I thought I'd begin this afternoon by saying Happy Lord's Day. We're given 52 of these each year. Even though we celebrate Mother's Day, the priority every Sunday is to celebrate the Lord's Day. This is a holy day unto Him. The Westminster Confession of Faith speaks of the Sabbath command as being positive, moral, and perpetual. So positive in the sense that it's the Sabbath isn't just about what you're not supposed to do, which is oftentimes what we get caught up in, all the things we're supposed to avoid doing, but it's positive in that it tells us to worship. We're, we're supposed to spend the day in worship, engaging in worship. That's corporately, privately, with your family, and there's that positive aspect of the command. It's also moral. It's included in the Ten Commandments, the fourth command of the ten to honor the Sabbath day, to keep it holy. And so just like all of the other moral commands, it should be obeyed in a continual way, and therefore it's perpetual. So the Westminster Confession of Faith speaks of the Sabbath being positive, moral, and perpetual. In other words, it's not just um, something for the Old Testament. Right? It's not just reserved for Old Testament law. It carries into our uh, our new covenant practice. So once again, we'll come to this passage in Luke chapter 6, verses 1 through 5, um, where Jesus is at odds with the Pharisees. We've seen this before. We'll see it again. We see, once again, Jesus' actions fall on the Sabbath day, which stirs up some concern among his opponents. And once again, Jesus points out the faulty practice of his opponents in his response. So just like he did with fasting last time, here he's going to deal with their faulty practice of honoring the Sabbath day. So we've already seen Jesus healing on the Sabbath, but now the Pharisees will confront him working on the Sabbath. We've already seen that he had no problem healing someone, which was an act of mercy. To show mercy to another person on the Sabbath day is a good way to honor it a good way to spend the Sabbath, right? We worship him. We show mercy to others. Um, And and here we see, though, that they begin to challenge him on a more fundamental level because working on the Sabbath, everyone was in agreement, was was wrong, was to break the Sabbath. And so they could could convince the crowd or, or others or followers of Jesus that he was that he was guilty of working then maybe they would see him as no longer being the one he said he was, not the Son of God or not the Messiah. What we find in his answer is that really his his perfect observance of the Sabbath involved work. It involved a kind of work that honored the Lord. And so let's read. But before we do, actually, let's ask the Lord for his help in understanding this passage. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and this passage, this short, brief section here that reminds us of the value of this day. We certainly are warned in the same passage about how we can wrongly practice our Sabbath observance, puffing ourselves up, wagging our fingers at others, instead of looking into our own practice and and considering the things that, that we neglect to do. 
or the things that we do that we really shouldn't do because they distract us from what this day is set apart for. I do pray that this would be an encouraging time for us and that we, we would be challenged by this and that you would be honored. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So read with me Luke chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. On a Sabbath, while he was going through the grain fields, his disciples plucked and ate some heads of grain, rubbing them in their hands. But some of the Pharisees said, Why are you doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath? And Jesus answered them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry? He and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and took and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priests to eat, and also gave it to those with him. And he said to them, The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Amen. This is God's holy word. So what was the challenge? They're enjoying a snack. Jesus and his disciples are enjoying a snack as they are traveling on the Sabbath day. And there were gleaning laws in the Old Testament. We won't turn to those laws, but there's gleaning laws that, that describe how the poor and the traveler could go into the edges of a field and pluck grain and, and take it for themselves. It was, it was for them. They weren't to take bags of it home. They weren't to like bring a duffel bag and fill it all up with 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 grain so that they could go home and thresh it. But as they were hungry, they could go onto a to the edge of a field and do what they're doing. So they're not being challenged here with stealing someone else's food. That's not the problem. Right? Jesus and his disciples weren't stealing, but they were guilty in the eyes of the Pharisees of four things at least. <laughs> they were guilty of reaping with their fingers, of threshing and winnowing which is allowing the chaff to blow off and then preparing that food to eat. Whatever that looked like, it might not have been anything more than putting it into their mouth at that point. But this process of reaping, threshing, winnowing, and preparing all counted as work. And it was not allowed, according to the Pharisees. Now, this would have been from the Mishnah. This is the Jewish kind of commentary on the Old Testament law, where they add another 39 restrictions to the Sabbath law. It's pretty, pretty clear. God's saying not to work. But as far as all these other details, they wanted to make sure that they understood how they could confront people who were working on the Sabbath. And so they wanted to make that clear. Here's the thing. Jesus and his disciples, they had the right to eat this food if they could only get to it. Right? The, the current laws, the way it's established, would have meant that to even pluck it off, the, um, the plant would have been, the, the grain stalk would have been against the Sabbath law. And Calvin, John Calvin points out this. He says, it's the invariable practice of hypocrites to allow themselves liberty in matters of the greatest consequence and to pay close attention to ceremonial observ- observances. So to pay, to allow themselves liberty in matters of the greatest consequence, which is what the Pharisees did, right? It's the, what Jesus says, they strained at gnats while swallowing camels. And they were, they were putting out the strainer to get rid of the, the gnat from their drink. 
But in the in the process of drinking that, they're also swallowing camels, not even considering. It's just it's ridiculous, right? They they worry about the finer distinctions and points of, of one law only to ignore the greater law. Right? So they take advantage of their parents, which is, you know, ignoring the command to honor them. But but they would say, well, this this money that I have, it's, it's already been reserved for other uses. I can't I can't use it to take care of my family or can't, can't use it to take care of my parents in their old age. I've already dedicated this money to other purposes. So they would they would find ways around doing what God had called them to do. And this was the kind of thing they did even concerning Sabbath laws. There's a difference then between the pious person who wants to obey the law and and do what it says on, on the surface. And then the one who nitpicks others with technicalities regarding it, who points out all the little flaws in everyone else. And says, oh, you, you, you do that? You do that on the Sabbath? Hmm. I'll pray for you. You know, and we make little comments that, that, that we should challenge other people to be just like us. And, and some of this stuff is, is not so clearly distinguished in, in Scripture about what is and what isn't allowed. And what the Pharisees had done was they had gone well beyond what Scripture had made clear so that they could condemn people who were doing a good work. And if we were to rightly focus instead on our own Sabbath habits, I don't think we'd have as much time to wag our fingers at others. We thought about just how we spend our time in between worship services, how we interact with others that day. Are we considering how we might honor the Lord in everything we say, everything we think, everything we do? And it's, in one sense, yes, we should be doing that every day. But this is a day that the Lord has, has, has clearly set apart from the rest. And he said, hey, you can work and do all of the things that, that this world requires of you to, to get by. right? Six days, but reserve this one day for me. And in fact, by doing so, it's a blessing upon you. And this isn't a burden. It's a delight. It's a delight to come and worship with the saints. It's a delight to open his word. It's a delight to sing to him. And so we shouldn't be looking at others, wagging our fingers at everyone else. More often than not, I think we do that because we feel guilty about our own inability to honor the day rightly. Right? We begin to compare ourselves to others to make ourselves feel a little bit better. And so Jesus points to an example here. He points the Pharisees to an example, a Sabbath parallel from the Old Testament, where it involved David's men. He says, Jesus answered them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry? He and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and took and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those with him. This is a, an episode you can read in 1 Samuel chapter 21, verses 1 through 6, where David and his men... Where they, they satisfied their hunger by eating the bread of presence from the temple. There was no other bread, no common bread for them to eat. And so the priest, Ahimelech, offers to give them the bread of presence. This bread that has been sanctified, essentially, it's been set apart for sacred use in the temple. And it was not lawful for David or his men to eat it. It was set apart for the priest, and it was only for the priest to eat. And every Sabbath... They would, return, they would turn over the bread that's on that table. They would take the old loaves and they would put new bread on 
And, and so this most likely happened on a Sabbath day where David comes to them and it's very relevant. Now, what part of the story is relevant? There's two possibilities and probably both, in fact. One is that just like David and his men were hungry, so is Jesus and his, Jesus and his disciples. Right? They're, they're both hungry on the Sabbath. So what do they do? Right? They're not going to go to the nearest restaurant on the Sabbath day, so they begin to honor the Sabbath by taking part in this um, in, in feeding themselves according to the gleaning laws. Right? So they're taking care of, they're satisfying their hunger, just like David and his men did. But also there's a parallel, and you see it very clearly in the in verse five, where Jesus says he is the Lord of the Sabbath. It's talking about Jesus' authority over the day. In the same way that David had authority to go to the priest and ask for that bread or to receive that bread from him and to distribute it to his men. His men. David had the authority of a king. And so he could declare that he and his men could receive that bread and, and partake in it. And in fact, Scripture never condemns them for that. It wasn't wrong for them to do that. And Jesus is recommend, or Jesus was referenced to this would have been something that more than likely the Pharisees had heard and seen before, but really didn't have a response to. Wouldn't have known how to answer Jesus' parallel. And as we read through the Gospels, what do we see Jesus doing over and over again? He says, I did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And, and when we read passages like this, we might think, well, maybe he's abolishing the Sabbath law. He's, set, he's changing the rules here. But that's not what he's doing. He's not changing the Sabbath law in any way. He's rebuking their practice of the Sabbath day. He's rebuking the Pharisees' legalistic practice that would, that would only condemn everyone else. Right? And it wouldn't show mercy to others. They, in fact, would rebuke Jesus for healing people on the Sabbath. They would tell the people, hey, if you're sick, come back tomorrow. Don't have him heal you today. Come back another day. And it was kind of ridiculous what they would do. They had no interest in showing mercy to others on the Sabbath day because they were caught up in practicing it the way they had decided to practice it. So he's repealing the Pharisaical interpretation of the Sabbath law here. Ryan McGraw says, although Jesus taught on the Sabbath in response to the abuses of the Pharisees, and you don't find him kind of teaching other explanations about the Sabbath anywhere else in the, in the New Testament, you always see him responding to the challenges of others. Those who would say, you're not honoring the Sabbath day. It's, him, it's when he begins to defend his actions on the Sabbath. But in fact, this is the same thing he does with all of the other commandments of the moral law. He's, he's frequently defending their misunderstanding of the moral law, whether it, is, whether it was that they minimized the portion of it Right? He heightens it in the sense of um, some commands where he says, you've heard it says don't kill, but I say don't hate. Right? So he, he heightens the, the, their, their recognition of what's required in that law. It's not restricting it simply to the act of murder, but it's saying that even in your heart you can, you can murder someone. Right? And that that alone is an offense against God and offense against that person to be filled with hatred. So, again, all of these, the, the way he responds here with, regarding the Sabbath law is the same way that he responds with the other commandments. So we should treat this 
law in the same way that we treat the other moral laws. We don't think that just because Jesus came, we no longer have a need to to uh, worship God alone, right? Because Jesus came and fulfilled the first commandment, we still recognize that it's our responsibility to honor the first commandment. Because Jesus came and honored the second and the third commandment, you know that the, the way he we are to worship, and the way we are to speak about God doesn't mean that we don't have the same obligations to honor those days. I mean, to honor those commandments. And so, because Jesus fulfills the fourth commandment as well, the Sabbath law, we too would want to honor it. Not out of a sense of earning our salvation. Not as if honoring the Sabbath day better than others is going to get us closer to Jesus in heaven. But because we desire to honor God. Because we desire out of thanksgiving to please him. So Jesus advocated for three kinds of activity on the Sabbath. Works of necessity, works of piety, and works of mercy. And you see this clearly in Matthew chapter 12. But works of necessity is what they're dealing with here. They're hungry and they need food. So it's a work of necessity to to find food. A work of piety would be going to worship and, and allowing the priest to work that day. It's what the uh, session has to do, right? They have a responsibility to come and to facilitate worship for the people of God. So it's a work of piety. And then there's works of mercy, service to our neighbor, those in need. If you find someone who is, you know of someone who is sick, you, you take them a meal, you show them kindness. Those are all things that are a great use of your time on the Sabbath. These are, these are ways that we can honor the Sabbath day by working. It's, it's a work that we don't typically do the other six days, right? It's a work of necessity, a work of piety, and a work of mercy that we should be engaged in. So our question shouldn't be, what can't we do this day? What are we not allowed to do? But what activities are we doing that promote these things? What are the activities we do that promote um, piety and mercy? And the last thing we, we want to reflect on is how Luke emphasizes the authority of Jesus. And in fact, he emphasizes in this passage his, the authority more than the actions that he does. Right? More than This isn't where Jesus describes uh, what, can, what we can do on the Sabbath, the works of necessity, piety, and mercy. He speaks to his authority. The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. And so as Lord of the Sabbath, Jesus had divine authority to interpret the law. We know back from chapter 4, verse 16, that Jesus grew up honoring the Sabbath day. He said, uh, we read, and he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. That was his custom to go to the synagogue to worship on the Sabbath. It was something that he did. That's that positive observance of the Sabbath command. Uh, We see in Matthew 19, verses 18 through 19, when the rich young ruler comes to Jesus, what does he say to him? He says, you know the commands, right? And he goes through the Ten Commandments. Um, let Let me flip there real quick. Matthew 19, verses 18 through 19. He said to him, which ones? And Jesus said, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. 
honor your father and mother. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. He's going through the, the list of Ten Commandments. And he's talking to the rich young rulers. And the rich young ruler responds naively saying, I've done all of these things. And I've already obeyed those things. Well, just the fact that Jesus is using that as, a, as, a, as an answer and response gives validity to the Ten Commandments. Right? It, 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 we recognize that there is still a moral there's still a moral law that's binding on the Christian today. And we also see in Mark chapter 2, verses 27 and 28, um, a reference to the Sabbath. Mark chapter 2, verses 27 and 28, we read this. And he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. Okay, so here again, this is the same. This is just Mark's account. This is a parallel account of the same passage we read in Luke. But it adds this detail. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. It, the idea of being made, this is a creation ordinance. The Sabbath was something that was set, set up and established before the fall. This is a, 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 that means it, it, it is going to go all the way into eternity, right? This honoring of the, the Sabbath day, in fact, our eternal rest is the perpetual um, reward of the Sabbath, right? It's enjoying a perpetual Sabbath day in eternity. But the reference to the fact that the Sabbath was made, it's, it's pointing back to creation. And then it's made for man, indicating that it's made for all mankind. It's technically not just made for believers. It's made for culture. It's made for everyone, that everyone needs, and, and, and everyone will recognize that as humans we need rest. We need a day where we're not working, and many times we take more than that, right, to rest. But, but every culture has some recognition of there being a pattern of work and rest, work and rest. Well, it's because of this principle that God has made us in his image, giving us a, um, a day to rest. So it would be highly unlikely here for Jesus to declare himself to be the Lord of the Sabbath, only to then go on and abolish the Sabbath day altogether. Okay, to declare himself to be the Lord of a day that he's now going to abolish or, or fulfill in such a way that we no longer would practice it. And yet this is the typical view of the church today. Right? We, we weren't always so indifferent about Sabbath observance. The church has definitely come a long way in viewing this day as set apart to now just really being a few hours of the day that are set apart for the Lord. And Jesus frequently equated himself with authority uh, that was rightly reserved for God. Calling himself Lord of the Sabbath in, to the Pharisees' minds would have would have been hypocritical, would have been heretical. He was, equated, he was putting himself on the same authority with God who created the Sabbath. And so Jesus Christ, again, fulfilled the Sabbath laws perfectly. We, we need to see that and recognize that and, and appreciate that. Not so that we could then have an excuse, but so that we could say it is his righteous observance of this fourth commandment that's credited to our account because we are going to fail and we are going to we are we are going to um, 
find ways of breaking that commandment like we do the other commandments. And yet we can remind ourselves of what Christ has done, that he fulfilled it perfectly on our behalf. Again, though, I want to make it clear, that doesn't mean we respond by breaking it all the more because he fulfilled it on our behalf. Right? Any more than we would want to break any of the other nine commandments. So in conclusion, we see a, a Sabbath snack, then a Sabbath parallel, and a Sabbath Lord. Our Lord's perfect observance of the Sabbath involved work, but it was the kind of work that honored the day, that kept it holy to the Lord. And it, was in, it involved serving others, showing mercy to others. But most importantly, it was a work of a loving Lord who not only observed the law, but in fact made the law for the benefit of mankind, right? for our delight. And so may we learn to enjoy this day and all of the blessings that the Lord has attached to it. And may Jesus, who paid it all, receive all the glory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you.